so today uh, I'm going to start off the first 15 minutes here. Tom and Bob are going to follow me. Uh, we're, we're all working on this new pest, which many of you I'm sure are aware of. I'm going to try and cover some of the background briefly just to, for those of you that maybe have not seen this yet, what to look for. Uh, but the, the title is appropriate, Battling a New Pest of Soybean. This is a new species that recently showed up. Um, and so we're, we're learning quickly, but there's a lot, lot to go. So uh, just to start off, anybody who's ever seen a talk on this always sees this slide. It reminds us that it's been around for a while. Uh, Tom, actually we're doing a, a brown bag or discussion series that you're welcome to join and, and you'll see some links for that coming up. It's a little more detail than what we can cover in, in a clinic like this, but uh, you know, probably prior to 2011, that's when Tom documented initially in the Northeast, but they were finding this in 2010 in Northeast Nebraska, injured and diseased plants. It wasn't high on our radar. You know, we were, we were seeing soybean gallmage. I was still a student at the time. Um, and so nobody was really thinking that we needed to dig too much into this. Uh, other entomologists, Adam Barenhorst in South Dakota document in 2015, lots of diseases and things it was associated with. And then 16, uh, I joined and then Aaron Hodgson's in Iowa documented its presence there. Uh, it's 18 where everything seemed to change and has changed since then when we saw early season pressure. So in the past, it was in August, late August, mid-August. Uh, this, was, this was late June, early July. It was obvious we were seeing uh, a lot of dead and dying plants along field borders in a number of states, uh, and Missouri has been added to that. Uh, and that kind of geared us into finding this and identifying it as what would be a new species through Ray Gagne, who is a retired uh, but works for the USDA in Junichi Yukawa. So we put that in the bottom there, not for notoriety, but just to remind you that there's a lot to learn on this particular insect. Uh, you know, beyond Nebraska and where we found this initially was the 63 counties. I would say we, we did our best in collaboration with a lot of you to find which counties this was in, but it probably wasn't until 2019 that we got more comfortable, at least here in Nebraska, saying that what we were finding was uh, kind of the extent of the distribution of, of soybean gallmage and uh, a great appreciation to North Central Soybean Research Program, United Soybean Board, and at that time the Regional IPM Center uh, were, were helping us with a lot of funding to not only do this but to track the adult emergence. Uh, and if you see any of your Nebraska Soybean Board members, get, uh, a real big thanks to those that board. Uh, they have uh, supported us a lot in a lot of research that you're going to see uh, throughout this talk. So, so 2020, we finished up. I think we're done, you know, with any reports that would pertain to last season. Uh, looks like we're still documenting counties going west. If you're in these counties and, you know, they're, they're recently highlighted, don't panic. Um, I hit all the counties from Greeley south. Uh, and to be honest with you, I can find them, but I can't find any signs of dead or dying plants. So that's a good sign, but you should be on the alert and anybody in adjacent counties should be as well. Uh, our existing counties look a lot different. We're at about 114 now, 39 counties in, in Nebraska. Now, this is a more detailed look than probably what you've seen before. Looking within the Nebraska here in the eastern uh, part of the state uh, and these dots that you see all over the place, if they're white, it means we, were, we stopped, we did a random check, we couldn't find any. Tom covered the northeast and then I covered uh, the, the south and east central part of the state. Uh, but you'll notice green there. Once we hit green, we have presence of soybean gallmage larvae. Anything beyond green from, from blue all the way through red is where we start to see those dead and dying plants. So you see, you can see clusters of red uh, through there. Uh, certainly we didn't stop at every heavily damaged field or injured field to document it. 
Um, and this was part of a larger effort that spanned uh, 13 states within the North Central Soybean Research Program. No new states identified, although we saw spread in every state as you saw in the previous um, uh, slide. What you'll notice here is that we're getting better at, at working with this insect. These are some uh, conical tubes we shove the stems into. That way the larvae can't escape on us and get far more accurate counts. Ravneet Carr is a master student that is doing the counts on these and we have those numbers already trying to understand a larval number and injury. Uh, and this is kind of a broad way of looking at that. And you'll notice sweet clovers on here. And if you've heard of sweet clover before, great. If not, this is one to kind of keep an eye on. Um, it's more than what's indicated on the map. There's that SC. Those are kind of two that were distinctly to the west that were not in near infested fields. We did find it next to infested fields, especially in the southern part of Nebraska. Uh, you know, it's hard to, to understand the, the level of injury if you've not seen a lot of fields like this in eastern Nebraska, but I just decided to grab a photo from each one of the counties here where we did see significant pressure. And this just gives you an idea the pressure is high uh, in, in a lot of counties and we're seeing significant injury. Uh, the yield loss and economics of this is hard to, to sort out. We're hoping to tackle some of that. Uh, but, but growers have called me this, this winter and, and have some pretty alarming numbers that they're dealing with. Uh, and so 2020 was a bad year. Let's hope for a better year in 2021. Okay, so, so I, that's kind of the big broad. Let's, let's get more down to a plant level for those that haven't seen soybean gallmage before and look first at the plant injury that we kind of see here, which is this dark discoloration at the base of the plant. It can be higher. Uh, Tom noticed that back in, in uh, 2011, you know, with any hail injury or mechanical injury, we kind of confirmed that in 2019 with some hail studies. But we see that dark discolored area and, and you definitely want to peel this back. Any plant pathologists that, you know, we're looking at things like this would, would, uh, would say we need to dig a little bit further to find the larvae. So peeling that back, even just with your fingernail, uh, depending on the time frame of when you do this and when we have adult emergence, you find, may find white or orange larvae that are present. Um, if there's a, a considerable number, they'll continue to feed on those plants. That's those next two photos that you see here. And eventually they're just girdling off this plant. So you can see from flowing through xylem, they're just continually feeding on these plants until they cut off the circulation uh, or the ability of that plant to move any nutrients or water. The result is, is a dead or dying plant. Uh, and this usually occurs at least in the last two years, um, you know, two to three weeks after we get initial adult flight, more towards that three more week mark where you're gonna to start to see wilting plants. The white larvae within, uh, you know, nine days or so, you can start to find them by about 12 days, they start to transition to orange. Um, and so there's, there's lots of information to go through. As Chris mentioned, I always talk fast, but uh, luckily we put together a website for you. So you'll see that a number of times, that's a good place to go uh, to get the things that I sped through. This is that website and it's part of uh, what we call an adult monitoring alert network. Many of you are on it. I was kind of glancing through the names. We have over 300 people registered for it now uh, and a number more that have registered. I haven't updated the number recently, uh, but to join the, the, the system, it's pretty simple. Go to soybeangalmage.org. Uh, there's a little thing form to fill out. If you don't want an automated phone call, just, just let me know when you send me that message. There's a place for notes but it'll do an automated phone call, text message, and email. Those pertain to first adult emergence in, in given areas across the network, as well as management information and scouting. Uh, so hopefully this is a resource that is of value to you. And you see that button down to join the alert network. That's, that's all you have to, to click on. 
what you're going to see when you get in there during the course of the season is these maps that pop up. And I bring this up because it's, it's rather complicated. Pay attention to the top of the title, which says whether it's overwintering or from this year's soybeans. You'll notice the maps also, or the numbers also look different with decimals, but uh, you'll see both maps. So we'll go through kind of in detail from last year's soybeans to what we see on this year's soybeans. Left half is really the focus for, for management tactics that we're gonna be trying or attempting. Uh, and, and you'll see some of those towards the end of this talk. So I'm gonna give you a little bit of insight into what we've seen uh, for management. So beginning in, and this is uh, from 2019, but it doesn't look really any different in 2020 or 2020, is what we did was we tracked uh, adult emergence from both the field that showed injury the previous year and where soybean gallmage was, was likely headed to, which was this year's soybean field. So we've got last year's field, all those damaged and injured uh, soybeans that I showed you. Uh, the assumption was soybean gallmage was overwintering there, but we wanted to be certain since this was soybeans the, the year before that, that they weren't overwintering for two years uh, in those areas and weren't picking up in both locations. You can see by the numbers, we don't need to run any statistics. They emerged from last year's soybeans. The same thing occurred in 2020 when we ran this study. We didn't even pick them up along the field edge. Um, although with sweet clover and other things, there's certainly some, some possibility uh, to pick them up there. And we'll, we'll try to learn more about that in 2021. But these cages, uh, as you'll notice throughout what we're doing, are the cornerstone of how we're monitoring uh, for, for soybean gallmage um, adults initially in the season. You will not catch them with the sweep net. If you do, you're one of the lucky few. Uh, I've heard a four-wheeler in a sweep net is sometimes the best way, but again, that seems like a hazardous attempt. Just uh, follow us with the cages. Uh, so, so a bit of information between this year and last year. Uh, emergence dates are pretty similar. Let's hope that kind of holds. Uh, you know, it'll give us some insight. A couple years is going to be necessary to get a good handle on this. We had rapid emergence, much like in 2019, where within nine days we had activity across all of our uh, sites that you saw in that previous map. Uh, the big difference between 2019 and 2020 is the duration of emergence. And, and if you take anything away and cement anything in your, your mind about soybean gallmage and management, duration is, is a key factor. The longer this insect emerges from last year's soybean field, this year's likely cornfield, if it's following kind of traditional rotations, the longer they're continuing to go from that site over to adjacent soybean fields, the harder it is to control this insect. Um, and so we had some dry periods that, that followed in during that, that late June period that may have impacted this, uh, but we, we increased by 10 days on average between 2019 and 2020. Um, so cement that in your memory, and even up to over a month of emergence uh, from, from those overwintering sites. Uh, hope that doesn't continue and we get back to more of a 2019 scenario. Uh, everybody always asks for a life cycle of this insect, which seems pretty simple and I'm glad they ask give some insight into what you're seeing. Uh, you know, those adults um, are emerging, but they're actually overwintering in these silken cocoons that uh, they pupate in the spring. We estimate they probably live for three to five days. Five is probably long on that estimation based on other species. They're laying eggs into these little fissures in the bottom of the plant um, that, you know, where you see that initial symptom development. Uh, not piercing tissue, but just into those natural openings or wounds. Then they're going through three larval instars, falling off the plant, um, repeating that cycle a couple times during the season. This kind of ties in the, the field aspect with that number of generations. So we get this overwintering generation that has started from the last year. 
um, they, you know, move over and then they complete at least two cycles on this year's soybean uh, fields. And so that, that gives you some under, understanding of, of that scenario. Don't need a road or anything, although dense vegetation does uh, impact that. Um, you know, as far as uh, emergence, this is last, the 2019, I got to remember, we're in 2021 now, but 2019 uh, showed some, you know, decent emergence curves, a pretty good presence of adults. Uh, 2020 really showed a, a continuous presence, even more so than in 2019. You can see some very large peaks there. We were 225% uh, more captured than what we captured in 2019. A similar number of cages, similar time frame on adult emergence as well as from when they showed up to, to our last kind of, uh, you know, catches during the season. Um, and then a little bit of, of information that's currently going uh, from Vilma Montenegro is, is documenting the first larval presence uh, on, on soybean at two sites and then you know, peak larval periods, uh, which was a very long period from the end of June all the way through to September. So you know, there's a lot of uh, data hidden behind that long bar, but uh, that gives you an idea of how long they are. Uh, there are no statistical differences in the amounts found each time we sample at a three-day interval. Um, Quick on scouting, seven to 10 days after emergence is a good time. If you're in a high pressure area, wait till reproductive stages. If you're, if you're not in high pressure areas, um, you know, uh, between those two fields, right along the, the, the uh, area between the two fields, that's the greatest spot to check. And really next to dense vegetation, small trees, that's the greatest likelihood to find them. Uh, what you're looking for again is that dark discoloration at the base, kind of bend over those plants. They'll crack later in the season, peel back that blackened tissue if you find any. Uh, and that's the place where you may find the larvae. And then of course that sweet clover wouldn't be a bad thing to look for in the ditches between those two. Um, getting into the management for the last few minutes here that I have, um, you know, we've got uh, 768 lines that were tested uh, in collaboration with uh, George Graff and this is through NCSRP uh, funding. We did three locations, two made it through, uh, 768 lines from the US germplasm were tested as well as 166 elite lines. Uh, we really got rid of a lot of it if you just go by what was infested. We only had 12 lines left that were uninfested in Iowa and 18 in Nebraska. We'll be repeating this this coming year, so hoping to learn more. There's some hope, but I wouldn't hang your hat on those 12 being totally uninfested. It may just be uh, what they chose to infest. Seed treatments, so, you know, this is what everybody's hoping for, and I know it's down to like the last minute here, but there's interactions between planting dates. Uh, we kind of saw a flip between 2019 and 2020. Um, what you see on the graphs here is the arrows indicate what to compare, uh, the red and black arrow. Um, so you see on those earlier planting dates, we get a shuffle where things don't really, they drop off with gaucho and then they increase as we move uh, through the season in terms of uh, looking at the number of larvae per plant start to drop once we get past May 2nd. Uh, that looked really promising earlier this, this season and we were uh, hoping that it would translate to final yield, but you can see yields are, are pretty flat. Uh, between gaucho and with and without. And I think this just reflects the tremendous amount of pressure that we saw this year. Uh, and, and we really can't expect, you know, season long control from any of these products. We're looking at the first couple of weeks. Um, and so uh, it really the response we saw here was more or less due to plant stage at the time of infestation. Uh, foliar applications, I'm not going to go through them in any detail. They vary quite a bit. Um, five to seven bushel differences on average. We did see reductions in larvae in a couple studies. Um, I th think it's just the season long pressure that's making this really hard uh, to manage. 
And then probably, uh, you know, one of the most significant things we saw was the, the ability of Thymet to, to provide some control. Uh, this needs, this is only the first year this is done, so, so don't hang your hat on this being totally consistent until we get a little bit more. This is a granular T-band. I realize that's going to throw some headaches in for a number of people on equipment that may not have this. It's limited to 30 inch rows. It's not entirely cheap, but don't treat a whole field. You know, give me a call or Tom or Bob if you want to discuss this more. The, the yields were, were significant, in particular at this site. And you can see the visual differences there from the overhead plate from Zach Rystrom uh, that took that photo. Read the label on this. You're going to see a group five metribuzin on there that has some potential negative interactions. I did talk with AMBAC. They cautioned two and 27 as well, gr a group herbicides. Uh, that's found on corn, but they said till we get a little bit more information, I uh, don't use any of those, uh, but definitely look through that label in a lot of detail. Um, we got that discussion coming up. Uh, you probably won't get time to scan this code. It's on the soybeangalmage.org website. Two more sessions to go. One that was already recorded. Uh, it'll be available on the website. You're welcome to sign up for that. Lots of other projects I'm not discussing today. I'm not even going to go through them in any detail. I think Chris is recording this. So you can pick it up and glance through that if you'd like. Lots of students working on this um, and, and a lot of different funding sources. That's the summary. Uh, it's, it's continuing to grow, it appears. Uh, you got to scout. Injuries varying across counties, as you saw in the survey. Management is tough with this thing. Um, we're got, we've got a lot to learn. Uh, those are my funding sources, Chris. I think I went a little bit over in time, so I'll kick myself off and take questions at the end, I assume.